Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. Our prayer is that you too would experience his presence and hear his voice for yourself. Please enjoy this week's message by our senior leader, Pastor Jamie's wife, Pastor Nicole Van Gelder. So Father, I thank you. I thank you that following you isn't isn't complex. Lord, it's difficult because it requires everything, but it's simple. And Lord, I thank you because when we choose to follow you, when we choose to obey you, there is always life that results. There's always goodness. Lord, your plans for us are so much greater than what we can see or comprehend. And Lord, you're so patient and you're so gracious to us. And so I ask this morning, Father, that there would be a fresh breeze of your spirit, that you would arrest our hearts to passionately follow you, to grab hold of the simple ways of the kingdom until it manifests in our life. So thank you, Father, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to talk about prayer today, and specifically the way that Jesus instructed us to pray. So I'm going to read what is probably very familiar to you, but I'm going to start in Luke 11, verse 1. It says, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The same prayer is captured in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start a couple verses ahead of it. The, it's in the context of Jesus is talking to his disciples actually about many things. Um, but starting in verse 7, it says, When you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, these are simple instructions how to pray. In fact, they're apparently too simple because I don't know how many books have been written on prayer. But there have been a lot of books written on prayer, and I'm sure they are all amazing and wonderful. I've read several that have enriched my life greatly. But for some reason, all too often, we have reduced the way that Jesus has taught us to pray to the exact opposite thing of what he intended. You know, when he's saying, don't use meaningless repetition, don't use many words, he's not really saying you have to worry about your word count when you pray. I'm relieved to know this 
because sometimes it takes me a while to get to what I'm trying to say, <laughs> you know? But it's not about that. It's about your authenticity when you're praying. It's about actually being connected to what you're praying. And he lays out a pattern that if you will begin to pray it, you will see your life transformed. You will see your heart transformed. You will see the world around you transformed. Because when Jesus gives instructions, they're not idle words. You know, the disciples came and said, teach us how to pray. And he didn't go, dang, let's see. Um, hmm. And just come up with something. <laughs> You know, every word that he spoke had intention behind it. And so if we pray this prayer in the manner it was intended, it is powerful beyond what we can understand. So we're going to break it down and look at individual pieces of it. And I want you to know that the reason I'm preaching on this is because I have experienced this in my own life. There have been... <laughs> I'm sure several things that have caused me to grow in connection with the Lord and in my maturity as a believer, but I know among the top of them is when I started praying this prayer. Because I, I started praying it because I was looking for a simple, and I'm going to be honest here, pretty quick prayer to pray with my children at night. And what I began to realize is that as I prayed this faithfully, that my heart and my life actually became transformed. All right, so we're going to look at it piece by piece, starting with our Holy Father in heaven. All right, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word here for Father is not Abba. It's not the daddy word that we find in other places in Scripture. Now, that's important to know that, you know, we can relate to the Lord in this affectionate, intimate way. Um, and whenever we come before him, of course, that's who he is to us. But this word here, father, it means originator. It means the author of a family, culture, or society. It's a forefather. And so when we are coming before the Lord in prayer, we are coming before the originator of our life, the author of our life. Do you know that it gives me great comfort that the Lord is the one who is partnering with me to write my story? <laughs> I know that I get choice in it. You know, it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure book. I'm faced with things. What am I going to choose? <laughs> you know, but the Lord is the one who ultimately is authoring my story with me. And so when I come before him and I remember that, it gives me great confidence and great comfort because I know I'm not alone. Because I'm no, I know I'm coming before one who already sees and knows me. <laughs> who already sees and knows the end of my story. I'm never coming to the Lord and he's caught unprepared for what I'm bringing him. Instead, I'm coming to the one who is the author. The one who sees not just me, but he sees the generations coming after me. And he already has plans and purposes for them. Now, that's amazing. You guys should be much more excited about that. <laughs> there is comfort in being part of something that is not all on your shoulders. <laughs> but he's the one who authored it. So he is our father, and then it says, holy is your name. That word holy, it's about being set apart, being kept separate from profane things. It says that one of the meanings is the opposite of common. And when we're talking about it in relation to the Lord, we're saying that he is holy other than. So we are coming before the author of our lives, 
the author of our story, and he is completely set apart from anyone or anything. <laughs> there is a holiness to him. That means that there's a reverence when we come before him, but it also means that we recognize that the life we are called to live is one that is set apart, that it's different, <laughs> that we're actually called to a greater purpose. You know, when you declare God's holiness with your words, this amazing thing happens where you realize that if you're not lining your life up to holiness as well, that your words are just empty. So when you begin to pray, my father, <laughs> holy is your name something happens in your heart where you begin to change because you begin to align your life with your holy creator <laughs> after that it says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and this it's about alignment with heaven it's a command you know it's not a question like hey could you please maybe send your kingdom like if you feel like it no it's we are praying with authority and confidence, and we are saying, come your kingdom, be done your will. Let earth be aligned with heaven. And do you know why we get to pray with confidence? Because we're aligned with heaven. <laughs> we're aligned with heaven, first of all, of course, because of Jesus and what he did for us, but because we're living holy lives. So this prayer actually starts with, come your kingdom, be done your will in my heart. Be done your will. When I pray this with my kids, the way that I'm praying is, Lord, may your will be done in each of our lives. May your will be done in our hearts. May your kingdom come and be manifest in our home. It starts with us. It starts with me. I'm not just praying for God's will to happen in the world, although I do get to that too. But, you know, it's a lot easier to pray that the world would come into alignment with heaven than for us to actually move our lives so that they're in alignment with heaven. But the Lord isn't just wanting us to be commanding what's happening out there. He wants us to be living in such a way that our hearts and lives are aligned with heaven. And then as a result, when we pray, we have authority to release heaven into other places. Yes, you can clap for that. Every day I pray for God's will to be done in our church. Just so you know, I pray for you guys every day. And I pray for you, the kingdom to be manifest. I pray for God's will to be accomplished in your lives. Can you imagine? I mean, you people are the most amazing people I've ever known. But can you imagine what it would look like if our entire congregation actually was in alignment with heaven at the same time? <laughs> right? And then it extends from there. So <laughs> that is my prayer. And, you know, God answers them. So if you're fighting that, I just want to let you know that you should stop. That's <laughs> what I tell my kids, too. You know, God answers my prayers. So good luck. <laughs> All right, so we come into alignment with heaven, and then it says, give us each day, or give us this day our daily bread. The point is the same in both, whether you're saying each or this. It's that you're trusting God to provide what you need when you need it. This is my least favorite part of the prayer. I'm just going to be honest, because I want more than what I need. I'm an American. 
<laughs> like, I want excess. I want to know that when I come against that problem in a week, that I've already got what I need to face it. <laughs> but the thing of the matter is, is that it isn't how the Lord provides. He provides every single day, everything that we need. And you know, it's better this way because I know that like if the Lord had provided for me a year from now what I need, you know, a year from now, that I would probably use it up. I'm just going to tell you, I know myself well enough to know. You know, we have um, one child that I won't tell you who it is, but he's a son. <laughs> and we were joking because he is one of the most incredibly generous people you'll ever know. And he's very responsible, so don't mistake what I'm about to say. If he has a responsibility on him, he's going to come through. But he is so generous, and so, like, if he has money, he's going to spend it. Like, he will, he'll take care of his responsibilities, and he does have savings. That's something we've instilled. But he's also going to have fun. So we've joked that if um, any of our kids were to, you know, like, win the lottery, that it would be the most fun if he did. You know, he even said, he was like, yeah, like it wouldn't last forever, but boy, would we have a good time. <laughs> and I have a couple of girls that are savers. And not only are they savers, but like, so I have these weird conversations with my friend or with my kids. But like one of them, I said, yeah, but like if you won the lottery, you'd like buy me a house, right? And they were like, I don't know. I'm like, and so we're talking about what amount they would have to win in order to just like buy me a house. You know, I think it got like close to like a billion dollars, <laughs> you know, because they just save. They're very cautious. They're going to use what they need in the moment, you know, but not beyond that. But the Lord, he is so generous with us. He's going to provide, actually, above what you need, but he's not going to give you what you need next year right now. He's going to provide it each and every day. In Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, it says, For this reason I say to you, by the way, this is shortly after Jesus shared the Lord's Prayer. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and is tomorrow thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now the message says that last verse like this. It says, give your entire attention 
to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. <laughs> this is how we're supposed to live. Praying this prayer has changed my life because it has given me confidence in God's provision. I can't tell you how many times throughout my day I face a situation where I don't have the patience, I don't have the grace, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have what's ever needed in the moment. And I have grown because of this prayer to pause, take a deep breath and go, Lord, provide what I need. And then I walk into the circumstance, often not even knowing <laughs> what I'm going to do, but I'm just trusting that he is going to fulfill what he promised to do, that he's going to provide what I need in the moment. And you know what? He has never not provided. He has never not provided. So when I pray this with my kids, the way I pray it is, Lord, thank you for being so generous for being so faithful. And then we begin to remember the ways that he's been faithful. And then, <laughs> as we are in this place of thanksgiving, then we say, please continue to provide each and every day everything that we need. You know, not only will this give you confidence that the Lord will provide for you, but it will also cause you to be more generous. You know, my son... <laughs> The one thing, as I said, he's so generous. You know, we were at the mall a couple weeks ago celebrating one of my daughter's birthdays, and a man came up. Um, some of my kids were in a store with Jamie, and I was outside of the store waiting for them with a couple of my kids. And a man came up to my son and said, Hey, I'm trying to get enough money for, you know, such and such thing. This is how much I need. I don't have anything. Would you, would you help me? And my son, I knew he would do this. But without hesitation, he opened up his wallet and handed out more than what the guy had asked him for. And it's because he has such a generous heart. He trusts the Lord to provide for him. He doesn't worry about it. And when you're not worried about your own provision then you can generously give. And the thing that is so touching to me about that story is that my son is in between jobs right now. So he got his last check from his last job, and he's yet to start his new job till after this. He's in Israel after this trip. And so I knew what he was giving out of was all that he had <laughs> to give, and he didn't even hesitate. That's how we're supposed to live, not worried able to be generous because we know that the Lord is so faithful to provide that we can be generous to anyone that asks. <laughs> I really should bring Kleenex up here when I preach. Okay. The next one is forgive us. Forgive us our debts. This passage actually means send away that which is owed. So when we are praying, oh, thank you. <laughs> when we are praying, asking the Lord to forgive our sins or forgive our debts, we're actually asking him to send away what we owe. Do you know that you owe a greater debt than you could ever possibly understand 
or pay <laughs> because of sin. And I don't even mean like the collective sin of mankind. Like obviously that plays into it, but I mean your sin. Do you know that your sin is ugly? And that it costs the Lord? We owe such a debt. There are so many times in our life that we miss the mark. You know, there's times when we deliberately do wrong because we want to for whatever reason. And then there are a million times on top of those that we don't even realize that we're living in a way that misses the mark, that isn't according to the standard or the ways that God has set before us. We owe such a debt because of our sin, and yet we don't have to pay any of it. <laughs> that is amazing. God made a way through Jesus <laughs> to send our debt away from us. Not only does that mean that someday we get to be forever with him in all of eternity, but it means that right now we are free to come before him. It means that we don't have to walk through life dragging the weight of our sin. It means that in places of brokenness, that we actually get to be whole, that we get to be healed. We get to be set free. This is an amazing thing, and it's important to walk through life realizing that this is the case. Not just because, I mean, obviously we want to worship the Lord for what he did, but I don't mean I want you to walk through with shame, you know, feeling bad, feeling guilty, but I mean that you should walk through life with your heart singing with great joy because you have been set free from the debt that there would be no way for you to pay. <laughs> When you live like this, it changes everything. And when you pray this every day, this amazing thing happens. You know, I pray this with my kids. The way we pray it is, please forgive us, Father, for the times we've missed the mark. When we've missed the mark in our behavior, in our words, in our thoughts, Lord, forgive us. Thank you for your forgiveness. And what happens when I pray this is that I actually have things come to light that would be hidden otherwise. You know, normally when you commit a big sin, you know. Like, you know immediately. There's immediate conviction. You know, normally the big ones, you've already, like, you saw the danger sign and you blew past it because of whatever reason. <laughs> but so many times, the little attitudes in our heart the little behaviors that seem tolerable. <laughs> you know, we tolerate those things in our life, but they're sin too. And so when I am praying this daily, I've found that this is where the small acceptable sins get weeded out of my heart. It's where I see the things, the ugliness of my thoughts, my attitude, you know, the small things that I did, and then I can actually repent from them. And as I repent from these things, this amazing thing happens, and I start to change. I start to be transformed. <laughs> and that's what's supposed to happen. As we walk with the Lord, we're supposed to become more like him. <laughs> we're supposed to become less like the world. We're supposed to be transformed. After we receive forgiveness, the next step is to forgive others. You know? The Lord sends our debt away, and so what do we do? We send away what others owe us. That's what that means. 
we release them of their debt. It's not held against them any longer, and they owe us nothing. The Amplified says it this way, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. Letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. And it would be a mistake to miss the context of this. Matthew 6, right after the Lord's Prayer, this is what it says, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. This isn't an option. This isn't a... Well, the Lord understands it's difficult for you to forgive. This is a, you have received forgiveness for a debt that is so great that you could have never possibly paid it. And so how dare you hold someone's lesser debt against them? <laughs> it's not an option. I had this moment, I've shared this before, but years ago, when, when we lived in Germany, actually, I will forever remember this moment. We were sitting in Jamie's little, actually it was a BMW, German car. Yes, on the Autobahn, it was glorious and terrifying. But anyway, that's a rabbit trail. We're sitting in his car, and I had been really struggling. I had gone through... You know, our marriage had gone through some hard times. I had personally gone through some hard times. There had been a couple people that had really not treated me well. And I had forgiven one of them, and we were good. And the other one, I was really struggling with. And I was sharing with Jamie how I was struggling with this person. I was struggling to forgive them. And I'm going to be honest, I was having a little pity party, and I was expecting him to say to me, well, it's understandable. What they did was terrible. You know, if it takes you a while to work through it, like, you know, I was expecting that. And instead, Jamie being Jamie, I'm so thankful for this. He said, well, you know, you don't have a choice. You have to forgive them. And I was like, it was not what I wanted to hear. It felt like, it felt like, like a, cold water was being poured on me. Or like, you know when you see in movies when people are like hysterical and somebody has to like slap them back into their senses? <laughs> it was like that jolting of a moment for me. He just said, we're Christians, that's what we do. And for whatever reason in my whole life, I had never understood that. Oh, I don't have a choice. We're Christians, that's what we do. And it changed my life forever. <laughs> Because I know that I don't have the privilege and of holding on to anything. That it's not my right, ever. Because I'm a Christian, and I've been forgiven so much. That how dare I not forgive? And not only do I not have the right to not forgive, but if I choose to hold on to unforgiveness, then I'm cutting myself off from the very mercy, grace, and forgiveness that I need from the Lord in my life. <laughs> So it's really important that we pray this. When we pray it at home, this is what I say. I say, God, we will not be people who retain others' sins. We choose right now to forgive each other. I start with our home. We choose right now to forgive each other. <laughs> we will not 
hold sin against one another. We will not hold sin against anyone. Lord, anyone that has wronged us right now, we release them from anything that they owe us, and we declare them free. We choose to be people that release mercy and grace to others and to the world. <laughs> if you pray this every day, I promise that you will become more generous in how you treat people. You'll become quicker to forgive, but not only that, you'll become free. <laughs> you'll be free from the offense that you carry against people, <laughs> and it will transform your world. All right, after this, it says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this word for temptation means experiment, trial, or proving. You know, in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4, it says this. It says, We also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Tribulations here is not temptation. It means affliction, it means troubles, it means oppression. It's the picture of things pressing together. It's when you're weighted down by affliction, when you have oppression, when you're carrying a weight that is too great for you and it's weighing you down. This is when you go through troubles in life that you can't control. We've all been there. <laughs> and I can tell you that I have been through circumstances in my life that I would not want to go through again, that I would not recommend to other people. But yet I wouldn't undo them because there was a work that happened in my life as a result of them that is too precious to think about giving up. You know, Jamie and I, I mentioned when we were in Germany, we had a difficult time in our marriage. We actually separated for a time. It was not good. We carried some wounds from that for a while. <laughs> you know, it took a while to allow the Lord to really have access to bring full healing in my life from that. But do you know that in my lowest moments when I felt alone, that I cleaved to the Lord in a way that I had never experienced in my life before? And so even if I had the opportunity to go back, I wouldn't change that time. Now, I would recommend you guys do a few things different than we did, <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it. You know, the same, my journey being a mom hasn't always been easy. We've had a number of miscarriages, and each one has been hard, heart-wrenching. But what's happened when I have chosen to trust the Lord in the midst of pain has been something that I can't even describe like when I share my testimony of God's goodness to my family, it's difficult for me not to cry, and it isn't because of pain. It's because of the precious work that the Lord did in my life in that journey. <laughs> you know, this is what these are the things we can rejoice in when we when we face tribulations or because they're gonna bring good things in our life. But temptation is not a tribulation. And we are supposed to avoid temptation. We're supposed to run away from it. We're supposed to flee from it. It is an experiment. Temptation is an experiment, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. That's the reason you do experiments, because you're trying to figure something out. You're trying to prove your hypothesis, but you don't actually know. And we are supposed to avoid temptation, not willingly subject ourselves to it. And I think if we would just understand that and we would live that way, we would actually save ourselves a whole bunch of heartache. 
You know, Jesus tells his disciples when he's asking them to pray, he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is true for us, too. We do our best to bring our flesh, you know, into alignment with heaven and to live in ways that glorify the Lord. However, our flesh is weak. In the message, it says this passage of the, world, of the Lord's Prayer like this, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. And I love that <laughs> because I would really love to blame the devil for my troubles. I would love to blame him for my character flaws. You know, I would love to blame Jamie for my character flaws, and I often do. But the truth is that it's me. It's me. <laughs> and so as much as you are able, you're supposed to stay away from temptation. When we pray this, it reminds us how important it is to follow the Lord. Because that's how you escape temptation, is you go where he leads you. You follow him. And this is, you know, little things. You know, <laughs> it's funny because I'm a big football fan. It's fine if you don't understand that. I, like my favorite mornings, I will wake up, I'll spend some time with the Lord, and then I will get my coffee, and I will watch Get Up on ESPN with Greeny and the crew. I've shared this before, and everybody just looks at me blankly. I get it. I understand. It's not your jam. That's fine. Um, the reason I'm sharing this, though, is because I get personally invested in football. I have made it my mission to have at least one person on every team that I root for and that I actually pray for NFL players. I pray for actors and actresses. Like, I'm just telling you my process. The reason I do this, though, I mean, sometimes during games I do pray that they'll win. <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about here. <laughs> I mean that I actually pray for their salvation. And the reason I do this is because I recognized when I started, like, you know, becoming kind of more of a fan that I had ugly stuff in me, that there was ugly stuff coming out of me towards other players. <laughs> Just going to be honest, you know, and, and I didn't like it. It didn't feel okay to me. Now, you have your own process. I'm not trying to bring condemnation on you if you want to hate you know, the other team, you go, go for it, right? But I started to have, like my conscience was actually defiled because these are real people. These are real people and I'm judging them and I'm angry at them and I'm like acting as though them playing a game somehow impacts my life. You know, like it's crazy. So I started praying for, that's why I started praying for NFL players. And I started praying and finding people on teams that I could cheer for. And so I could be a champion. And I love it. It's great. But you know what? Every now and then I recognize that I have to step away <laughs> because there starts to be ugliness, you know, because I'm listening to stuff and I'm like, well, what kind of garbage are they talking about? They're talking about real people. And there, you know, and I just recognize in me. And so I have to step away and I have to disengage from it. Okay, now this is just a little story that probably tells you too much about the type of person that I am. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like we put ourselves in the way of temptation all the time. And the Lord is saying, don't do that. Social media. <laughs> if you're struggling with feeling content, 
If you're struggling with not being jealous, if you're struggling with trusting the Lord to provide for you, if you're struggling with any of those things, I want to tell you that you probably shouldn't be on social media because it feeds into those insecurities that we have because we spend too much time on the internet and it actually affects the way that we think. Like, there are so many small things like that, and I don't need to go through and try to find your list for you. But we're not actually supposed to entertain temptation in our life. And the Lord has told us that we're actually supposed to pray <laughs> that we would not go on the way of temptation, right? And along with that, that he would deliver us from evil. That word deliver is so beautiful because it's about drawing to oneself. Like the Lord is our rescuer and he's drawing us to himself. And it actually is largely synonymous with the word sozo, which means to save, to heal, and deliver. So when we're asking the Lord to deliver us from evil, what we're saying is, Lord, keep us from temptation and draw us to you so that we would be saved, that we would be healed, that we would be delivered, that the enemy would have no part in our life. <laughs> that is a good thing to pray. Evil doesn't stand in the presence of the Lord. So if you want to be free from evil and free from the influence of the enemy, you know, stay away from temptation, but draw unto the Lord. Stay close to him. Because this amazing thing happens when you're in his presence. It's that the work of the enemy begins to melt away. The areas that you came in wounded, he begins to heal. The lies that you've been carrying, he begins to release truth over. You're changed in his presence. So when we pray this, we're praying, God, protect us. Teach us, guide us. May we know you. And this is something I pray over my kids. I can't even tell you how many times. But every day, at least once, usually more than that, I pray and I ask the Lord that my family, each of us, and I pray by name, that we would all know him that we would know him personally, and that he would teach us his ways so that we could walk according to them, and that as we walk according to his ways, that it would be well with us. <laughs> this is what we're praying when we ask the Lord to protect us, that he would teach us and guide us, that we would know him, and that we would walk according to his ways all of our days. This is a powerful prayer. <laughs> If you begin to put it into practice, you are going to see results. The last thing that I want to say, you know, in Luke 11, Jesus shares this prayer. And then in verse 5, he says this. And Jesus said to his disciples, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. 
Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to good give gift, good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now there's two things I want you to notice from this. The first one is that persistence is required. You know, this passage really reads like this. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. It's not a one and done. It's that your persistence is going to win the day. That means don't grow weary in prayer. Don't grow, don't lose confidence, but it confidently continue to come before the Father because you will see your prayers avail much if only you will continue to pray. You know, I have a four-year-old who is so persistent, and she will ask me things 2,700 times, and the first time I will say no, and the first 2,600 times I will be firm in my resolve, and then slowly over time it'll be like, okay, fine, okay, yes. <laughs> you know, this is what it's like with the Lord. Our persistence is going to win the day, and it isn't because he is refusing us. It's not because he's far off. It's just part of the process. Because something happens in your heart when you keep seeking, when you keep asking, when you keep knocking. And that thing would not happen in your life <laughs> without that process. And so the Lord and his goodness, he leads you through a process and on a journey. And re persistence is required. The last thing I want you to notice, it's so perplexing. Because he's talking about pray like this, keep praying, seek, keep seeking, you know, do this. And then he's talking about how good the father is. Like, hey, you know how to good, give good gifts to your kids. How much more does the father? But he says, not how much more will the heavenly father give you what you're asking. He says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And you know what this tells me? It tells me that sometimes I'm asking for the wrong thing <laughs> or that even when I'm asking for the right thing, that I often don't recognize the Lord's reply because what he's giving me is he's giving me the Holy Spirit. He's giving me wisdom. He's giving me grace. He's giving me the things that the Holy Spirit releases into my life. And so there's usually a process <laughs> even to God's answers to our prayer. We tell him, Lord, please provide everything that I need today. And you know what he does? He doesn't just leave a pile of money at your door. You know, but instead he gives you the Holy Spirit to guide you, to teach you, to lead you into what you're needing. <laughs> and so we just need to open our eyes and recognize that the way God answers us <laughs> is always going to be faithful. He, like he's always going to be true. He's always going to answer us. But he sometimes is going to answer us in ways that we're not expecting. So that's why it's important that we stay connected to him, <laughs> that we continue following him, that we do the simple things that he asks us to do. Because as we do those things, that's when we see him and his kingdom manifest in our life. All right. Can you guys please stand? <laughs> Following the Lord is actually quite simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Pray, keep praying, don't stop.
follow him, do what he says, and be obedient in small things, because as you are, it's going to lead to extraordinary things. So I'm going to pray for us. <laughs> so you want to close your eyes, just invite you to join me. Father in heaven, you are holy. You are holy unlike any other. Thank you for who you are. Right now, I just declare, come your kingdom and be done your will in the hearts of each person in this room. Lord, in our church, bring us into alignment with heaven. Lord, bring our homes into alignment with heaven. Bring our workplaces into alignment with heaven. Lord, bring our families into alignment with heaven. Lord, may the earth align with you. We thank you for your faithful provision, and we ask that you would please continue to provide for us everything that we need. Lord, help us to trust you, <laughs> to not worry or be anxious, but to recognize your faithfulness and to live with gratitude and thankfulness for who you are and what you do for us. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us for all the ways that we've fallen short, for the times that we've missed the mark and not lived according to your standards or ways. Lord, show us, show us so that we can repent and we can change. Lord, we choose right now to forgive one another. We declare that we will not retain sin, that we will not count anyone's debt against them, but we release them. We release those who have wronged us from all the debt that they owe. We will choose to be people who release mercy and grace to others, just as you have so generously given it to us. And Lord, we ask that you would please guide us, that you would teach us, that you would protect us, that you would help us to know you, that we would follow you each day, that we would walk according to your ways. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, and I do ask that you would just draw up close to them, that they would follow you, Lord, that you would show them your ways, that as they follow you in obedience, Father, that it would go well with them, that your blessing would be upon each and every one now and always. So Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It is our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or by sharing it with your friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love for you to connect with our community. Please visit ithehouse.org for more information. See you next week.